our cars will break down. And when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck, or SUV, and less repair bills, plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. Good evening, Detroit Lakes. This is the most literal Vikings territory breakdown uh, yet. I'm your host, Joe Johnson, owner of VikingsTerritory.com, PurplePTSD.com, uh, the brand new Minnesota hockey website, news podcast, that sort of thing, MiniIce.com. And by this time next week, uh, hopefully some other websites that we can debut for you that I think you will enjoy. We're certainly hoping for it because as far as the Vikings are going, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel for news, which is always a good way to preface a show. Um, I'm new at this if if people haven't picked up on that already. Mm. Someone that isn't new, Mr. Joel Early. Wow. Is that a shot at my age? I know. I was like, that sounded a little more aggressive than I anticipated. Um, well, I'm sorry to hear you're having a breakdown, Joe, but hell, you know, it's it's the off season, so it's, come on, man. It's, Hang it's, in there. How many times have I told you over the years that the off season is my favorite time of year? They call it the, the pretendies because anything is possible. I almost feel as if it's the exact opposite of that this off season. You know, the reason I prefaced the, the show the way that I did was because uh, we're going to run through a lot of the, the news that is on our network this week, more than anywhere else, because everyone's kind of covering the same thing. But I, I don't know. I, I want. Uh, T- Mr. Tim McNiff's opinion, who joins us yet again. How are you doing, man? Good. I thought for sure when you were saying someone who's not new, I thought for sure that was coming my direction. So when you threw <laughs> overly under the bus, I was like, okay, I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah you just, uh, you know, I think you, know, you might be a little newer than me, Tim. I don't think so. <laughs> it's it's a photo finish. Uh, it's a photo yeah, finish. Probably and just wants to win. Yeah, I'm good, right. you guys. I'm good. I'm sitting here right now. You were, we were talking off air a little bit, or maybe on air, but about our pets. And I've got my my, my handicapped Dexter camped uh, to my right-hand side here. Nice. And I'm looking out the window, and there's a light snow falling, and the temperature is in double digits. So life's Ooh. good. We're trending in the right direction. Shorts weather. Yeah. Yeah, Shorts awesome. weather in Minnesota. Hoping yeah. to go out and do a little skiing afterwards, a little uh, cross-country after this, if I can... Uh... It's uh, it's gorgeous out right now with this light snow, and like you said, it's warming up. And uh, as soon as we get done with this weather forecast, we're going right to sports. <laughs> um, where do you cross country ski? I, I I've been on the uh, lake. Oh, I'm out at the cab. So okay, for a second I was like, with, yeah. with your knee, I don't think you should be doing any um probably not skiing, but but. If I'm ne- if I'm still newer than Tim, I can still do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Tim. I mean, I don't know. You've been on the show. I think this is the fourth time in a row now. And it's awesome. I don't uh, want to be so pessimistic, especially because this show is so new for the beautiful people in northern Minnesota. Um, but I, I and, and I don't want to be repetitive either, um, considering. But, you know, I'm seeing a lot of articles either on our network, and I'm not um, dismissing them, um, or just, uh, you know, out there in the zeitgeist about uh, top trade targets or top, especially free agency targets for the Vikings. And it just feels like, are we, um, are some people being unrealistic as to the financial situation the Vikings find themselves in, in general, let alone with the COVID cap as we've covered last week? Well, I just think it's it's a difficult thing to um, hack your way through for anybody, and and so most people don't have an understanding of the Vikings' uh, caponomics, as it were, where we are and what we have an ability to do. 
and certain players are going to be asked to take a money in, in bonus form. And if you're Kirk Cousins and he's laughing all the way to the bank, I mean, his, he and his agent, they set this thing up perfectly and uh, God bless him. And um, so he's been able to save the team money by taking his uh, money and bonuses. And yeah. um, so it counts less against the cap, gives the team more flexibility. Other players will be asked to do the same thing and they will comply. And uh, other players will just be asked to say, uh, thank you, but uh, it's time to move on. I believe that'll be, you know, Kyle Rudolph. But yeah. right now you're, you're seeing names come out and, and everybody kind of gets all breathless with anticipation. Oh, oh they're going to let that guy go. We should get him. Yep. I, I'm telling you, <laughs> it, it is going to be like, if you can just picture the NFL as a neighborhood and every team is at a certain time is going to be having a yard sale. Every yeah. team is going to be having a yard sale. And you can be able to walk from one to the next to the next and say, you know, oh, there's that uh, there's that lawn chair I wanted, you know. And, and so the Vikings are going to have players out there, but so is every other team to some extent. And so you're going to be able to uh, see, you know, is it a younger player? Is it a seasoned player? And, and what price tag comes along with that player? That's a really uh, good point, though, because it does lend itself more to the idea of the, the pretendies, which – I guess I should add some context to. I mean, it's pretty obvious, but it's always, you know, it's almost like playing with Madden with the trade logic or the salary cap turned off where you can, you know, put together this amazing roster. And I wonder if some teams are in the position financially to, to almost go to uh, the, the route that the NBA has been going these last few years, you know, to create – um, some semblance of a super team because I think you are right. There's going to be it's going to be the craziest offseason. It's already it's already kind of been that way with what's going on with the quarterbacks and this, uh, new player empowerment movement. But it's um, you know if the Vikings can figure out the money, uh, they could very well fast forward this little retooling or rebuild uh, that they're working on. I mean, sorry to step on your, your take, Joe, but I was just wondering That's all right. what you thought of, uh, if you were on this in kind of the same vein, going all over the place, apparently. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's uh, interesting what Tim brought up. I mean, he, about the bonuses and I, uh, it, he, he did mention that the players will take him and I, it just makes me think, why wouldn't you, right? Would, wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't it be better to take your, your money and bonuses and, and get it now rather than, you know, have it diverted till the end of your contract where they cut you anyway or some or some darn uh, thing. Unless but, it's all guaranteed that you live in a high-tech state and it's not split between going eight mm. games in Minnesota versus eight games, let's say, in other places like Florida or Texas. It might be a higher overall tax hit unless it's not guaranteed, in which then that answers that question. But I was thinking that yeah. too. You know, when I think about the yard sale, I, 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 every time I see somebody get let go around the league, you know, I, I, I'm like everybody else. I salivate a little bit. Oh man, wouldn't that guy look good in, as a Viking? But then I, in the back of my head, I know we, we ha- have such cap problems that it's, it's probably not that realistic. Then on the other hand, every year you have uh, the Vikings somehow make things work out and try to get things done. But it really sounds like this year's going to be different. Well, do you guys think that? With everybody having a yard sale and, and a lot of teams under really tight cap restrictions, do you think there's going to be a lot of players that A, may have to really take less than they, their perceived value, and B, they might be uh, looking for work? Do you think that's a possibility, or will everybody find a job? Tim, what do you sure. think? Well, I, I think, I mean, will everybody find a job? Uh, you know, so there's, there's players out there who um, – will be priced out of the game. And, and so like, so like it was put out this past week, you know, are you interested in Geno Atkins? And I'm, I'm on like a Facebook group of Viking fans. And I said, that depends. Does he come with a time machine? Because if he does, (laughs) I I want, I want the Geno Atkins from 2015. That's the one I want, you know, so this is a guy and the same thing with Kawan short. These are guys that, you know, are are both in their thirties and, and they uh, have played a lot of football. Or in the past couple of years, Quan Short hasn't played a lot of football because he can't stay healthy and stay on the field. So mm-hmm. you're taking a tremendous bargain if you're a gamble if you're going to to tie up a lot of money with these guys. You know, I think I think like you know the Vikings have a safety who we'd all like to stay and watch develop, but we probably can't afford him, and and he'll be snapped up and he'll find a job somewhere else. And some team will say we're really thrilled that we were able to get him. And he'll, but the, that's what the Vikings have to do. And and so now you you get into a situation like Riley Reef, where I think the Vikings. I would like to point out did a very commendable thing. 
They but gave yes. him a million dollar bonus, which which he would have attained had he played in the last regular season game of the year. But because of COVID, he did not. And um, so he missed by percentage points being on the field for a certain amount of snaps to qualify for a million dollar bonus. And so the Vikings this past week said, you know what, we're, we're paying it. And, and he gets it. And he took a huge salary cut to stay with the team. Yeah. But now if they're going to retain him, they owe him like 10 million, like, like yeah. by March or something. And so it's like, okay, he had a really good year, but I smell like Miko Koivu all over this thing. You know, it was a couple <laughs> of years ago where it looked like Miko Koivu was on his way out and, and suddenly had this season where he just was like, he's actually scoring points. He's not only winning faceoffs and back checking, but he's actually scoring points. So they signed with a three-year contract and he was just junk. After he yeah. signed that contract, you know, and I just think that the, the wise thing to do would be to say, thank you for your service. Let's find a guy who's 23 or 24, has two or three years in the league, has not really been a starter, but has played part of the time. But you think you can coach him up and you think you can use him. I think that's probably the better way to go. You mean for Reaver for uh, Atkins or both? I, well, I'm not. Yeah, I mean both. I mean, okay. I just think there's going to be a lot of players out there who were um, depth players and 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 they're going to be teams are going to have to be making you know money decisions. There's going to be a lot of guys who are going to be who are going to fall through the cracks, and teams are going to hope they can re-sign them. The, and 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 other teams are going to to sign them away. And I think if you're like the Green Bay Packers and you're looking for like one or two players, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that could be a, a, a likely landing spot for a JJ Watt. You know, some people move some money around and they they find space for him. He's a Wisconsin native. He's a great character guy. All of a sudden, you've got him on one side of your defense, and he's got a year or two left in him, and he'll be fired up to play there. Um, fans would go crazy about yeah. it. I, I no. just think it just makes a lot of sense for Green Bay. Does it make sense for the Vikings? Probably not. You know, so it's just it's all about fit and expectation. And how close are you? What are your goals for the next year? I mean, do you really think you're that close to a championship team? What are you missing? And, yeah. and if does this player get you that close to the goal? That's where I think the Vikings are a very, a very unique and not not a very enviable spot where they have a deep, an offense that you know uh, with a one or two perhaps decent linemen are in great position, but on defense they're totally rebuilding. They are have an aging aging group of players. Plus, you know they will get some defensive linemen back. But yes, do, what, what what do you do? Uh, how do you approach it then? Do you say Okay, do we dive into free agency and see if we can, you know, bolster here and and get this there and then and then bring in a couple, of, or or do we just save our money and keep trying to build on defense through the draft? I mean, they're in a they're in a tough spot, I think, and and I, I'm not sure how they're going to approach it this year. And it, it, one of the variables that kind of screws things up is that you know in traditional off seasons you could maybe trade an Anthony Barr, who's your third highest paid player, get rid of his contract, uh, improve your position financially, and then look for somebody in the draft, and then whatever draft pick you get for him, whether it's a third or a fourth rounder, would be of benefit, but there, uh, you know, his trade value, everybody's trade value is going to be diminished unless they're Russell Wilson or somebody crazy like that, because there's just going to be so many options available. Um, mm-hmm. But I've I've long felt that you know some of these contracts are untenable. Uh, you guys mentioned Kyle Rudolph a couple times today and in, in, in previous weeks. Um, you know I think Barr either needs to restructure or go. Um, but on the offensive side of the ball, you know I think that there's a couple talkers that I put in the agenda for today. First of all. Uh, Joe, you mentioned one or two decent offensive linemen. Um, I'm sure you're referring to. Brian O'Neill and and uh, Ezra Cleveland, who at least according to PFF didn't have as good of a year as I think a lot of people think he did. I think he just looked so much better than Drew Samita that we all were like, "Hey, improvement! We're doing good." Um, but there was a, an interesting PFF article this week, essentially looking at the, the last five drafts for each team and what the biggest mistake was, and a lot. 
people obviously would assume that Laquan Treadwell would fill that role for the Vikings, but the author of that article argued that it was Garrett Bradbury instead, and I think there was a couple reasons for that. A, he's he's regressing, and B, uh, they moved Pat Elfline from center to guard, and now he's not on the team anymore, and he at least had a good rookie season at the position and maybe could have bounced back or something. Um, I, I really feel like, you know, uh, it's hard because one of my arguments for keeping uh, Clint Kubiak as the offensive coordinator among many was the continuity and not, you know, they've invested at least something into this offensive line and to, and to kind of rebuild from scratch or change from his own team to more of a, you know, a power running football team or, you know, it would be hard. But I feel like if they were to just, you know, essentially move on from Reef which whoever you want to consider the left guard, if it's still sure he was he's been really bad. And then you know, it's hard to say with Bradbury because he was a number one pick only a few seasons ago, but I, I just feel like they really do need to do something drastic with the line because it's it's trending down and that's really astounding to say because it's been so bad. Well, I think they uh got a good decent year out of Riley Reef and you know uh, the cap is, is certainly a concern, or his, his cap hit is certainly a, a concern, but I don't know that you, you, you throw him out until you get someone for sure you want to replace him. I, uh, there's a hole at left guard. I'm not completely sold on that idea from that article about Bradbury. I think, uh, you know, th- this whole line proves this year that they are a very good uh, uh, run-blocking line and not so good in a pass-blocking protection, pass protection. So, um I, I don't know that they're that far away there, and I'm not ready to give up on Bradbury. So I'm, I'm saying get him a, a left guard high in the draft and, you know, this year and then uh, see where that takes you, and then you can assess what you got going forward. It may not be enough. I don't know. But uh, that almost also precludes something else we're going to talk about. If, if, uh, if you are a run-blocking team and that's where your expertise is at, uh, I don't know that you go out and get uh, Devonta Devonta Smith mm. in the, mm. with your first round pick, but that's, that's beside a, the point. We'll talk that, about that, that later. That is a good point. Though. I've seen that take multiple times over multiple weeks. It wasn't just a flash in the pan sort of take, and maybe it's just because that's where people are projecting he would go, and we just fall into that category. Right. I, I made a joke uh, a week or two ago that I would, if I was the GM, I'd just be Matt Millen, but somehow worse. Because uh, I love wide receivers, and the idea of having Justin Jefferson, Smith, and, and Thielen is is incredible. I mean, that would just be amazing. But when you run the ball 55, 56 percent of the time, does that make sense? Um, and you can't protect your quarterback to get him the ball. What, yeah, what the heck? Ex- exactly. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Tim, you can take you can take uh, that any number of ways. Um, what do you think about the line? What do you think about this? Uh, Alabama receiver, everyone uh, is linking to the Vikings. Oh, co- a couple things, and I'll even take it back one step further, if I may. Um, so I think the NFL is different now in the sense that you used to be able to trade a player like uh, Anthony Barr and get like something for him, and because teams couldn't depend on rookies and, and younger players uh, to come in and really be ready to play. I think the, the gap between college and pro has closed enough in terms of scheme and technique that players come in and strength players come in much more pro ready than they used to. And, and freshmen and sophomores make, you know, impacts at the college level more than they used to. They just have to sit a year and, and get stronger. And now they're, they're, they're ready to go. So I think that the, the, the years of like waiting for a guy like to step in and we saw what, you know, Washington was able to plug in, you know, an edge rusher from Ohio state and, and suddenly their defense, you know, was greatly improved because of really one player. And, and he, he, you know, he picked everything up. So um, I, I think where the Vikings are concerned, it's sort of like, who is that player at 14? What, who's available? What's available? Maybe your whole strategy shifts depending on who is in that spot. And I, I say an argument could be made for, mm. we need to take an offensive lineman. We need to take an edge rusher. We need to add to our offensive threat. And I'll just say this, and I'd like to be quoted on this. So go ahead and write it down if you, you think it's worth it. <laughs> Devontae Smith will not be available at 14 when the Vikings pick. If Devontae I Smith would agree with that. slides out of the first five, there's a lot of people who should be fired as NFL general managers. <laughs> but if he somehow dra- drops to the Vikings and the Vikings get him, I- I'll do whatever stupid thing you want me to do because uh, <laughs> I- I'll take him, add him there, and he'll make up for a lot of woes on your offensive line 
when you can keep throwing quick outs to him yeah. and, and and just let him go with the ball because, yeah. It's, it's happened before. Randy Moss got, made it all the way to 22, didn't Justin he? Or, so I guess what Devontae Smith would have to start doing would have to start being really surly, have some scuffles <laughs> with the police, fail his drug test, get kicked out of one school, go to another one, and then he might drop to 14. Well, get to work, I, Tim. I mean, what what are you doing? <laughs> I'll pay for I the gas money down to Alabama. That's the thing that's always uh, confused me about, or not confused me, but uh, uh, which I shake my head at about mock drafts because wouldn't you do just one? You, you do a mock draft, and that's your mock draft, and then it's done. But people keep doing them and doing them and doing them. Yeah. And so you got to, in order to make someone read it or listen to it or pay attention to it, you got to put somebody else in there. Well, suddenly the Vikings are going to get Devonta Smith. Whoa. You know, so yeah. I don't know. I, that, 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 I, I, I don't buy it either, Tim. I'm with you. I, I, I totally agree with your take. And, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll back you on whatever silly thing you have to do. If, 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 the, <laughs> if he's there at 14 on the Vikings yeah. pick. So, because, you know, really, you guys, if he was available, I would make a case for, you know, if you thought that he really was going to drop that much, I would say you could take Kirk Cousins, trade him away on a cap-friendly deal, take whatever draft choices you get from that, sign Mitchell Trubisky as your free as your free agent quarterback, and all you're going to do with him is, is like, play action. He can run. Yeah. He can yeah. throw five-yard outs. God, get the ball to do- do- Justin. He doesn't have to throw the ball more than five yards. Get it to one of those three guys. Or he oh, runs. We'll, we'll move the ball down the field all day long. Just or you can, even tra- you can trade a Thielen at that point. You know? You, and you, get- I mean, you could. It would, um, you I know, do want to remind you down. that we're on air in Detroit Lakes. Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um... I yeah, would I, never advocate it. I love Thielen. I'm, I'm a man. There you boy. go. So, yeah. You're uh, no, it back I, in. Not advocating it, but I mean, that's what you could do. And then, uh, you know, trade for somebody else. That's more, someone would come and, and scoop him up in a, in a heartbeat and, you know, give you some capital. You might be able to get that second round pick back for him, which I think is it just me or is that not having that really hurts the Vikings? This yeah, year. they lost so, like 50 draft spots, I think, in that wow. move. I mean, um, remember, we have like 12 or 13 sixth and seventh rounders. So, so <laughs> we're going to pan out one of these days. So he could he could package a dozen of those together and maybe move back into the second round. Yeah, yeah. This year you're picking you're picking 14th, so you you really would love to have that pick, especially after what happened to it. Oh my goodness, to see that it really got him nothing. That's the guy we with Ngakwe, right? That was the pick we yeah. lost for. Yeah, that, that's 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 difficult to stomach at this point. So you know, yeah, that it, uh, was hard too because they had that little bounce back where they you felt like they were going to make the playoffs for a minute. And it really felt like he would have been of some use. Um, then again, it was nice to see what DJ Wanham could do, but um, they yeah, that was that was a rough move. That was a head scratcher, especially for a guy that's as enamored with draft picks more so than most GMs and, and Spielman. I don't know. All of a sudden, I'm kind of liking this 14th to Devonta Smith. I, you know, I got to. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of possibilities coming out. Can of you that. imagine? Like, I, I'm no. going. I'm going to. I, I don't think I. It's available yet. I haven't played Madden in a long time, but uh, people should stay tuned to Purple PTSD because I'm going to create a player of with his metrics and put him in the offense from last year, and then just run the computer and see what happens because. I thought I, I mean I thought I was going to be kind of alone on an island, and you guys were going to say, "Well, uh, you know, they have so many other needs." Um, they do. It, it, it wouldn't make much sense, but that would be. I mean, talk about three deep. Yikes! Yeah, yeah. Would, you, you probably would still need a a, a top end speed guy. You know what I mean? Because there there would be a lot of friction at the line of scrimmage if those were your three. They would be jamming those guys all over the place, and especially you know as slight as he is, but he's. If you did back him up a little bit and gave him a few steps, he's so fast. I mean, in a game of fast people, he's crazy fast. He, he is yeah. an immediate game changer. And so I, I can't see any way he drops to 14. I, the more, the closer we get, uh, the thing that keeps coming to back to my mind is that I think we'll probably end up taking a, a pass rusher and um, c- trading back into the second round or late first round or something to try to get uh, an impact offensive lineman. but That's I, what I was thinking about earlier today. I was thinking trade the first-round pick and, and someone who wants to, you know, it gives you a later first-round pick and then a second. I don't know if they would even do that unless there was – unless he was sitting there, unless someone like Smith was sitting there and someone all of a sudden trades up, gives you their second 
and they're first. They're late first for your first. Or am I smoking something? No, no I, think I think there's value to that. I think they, they I hopefully would have learned a couple times in recent memory that they could have done that. Um, you know, the Mike Hughes pick, which there is some, you know, hindsight in that because he's been injured. But they could have traded down and then gotten a plug-and-play into your offensive lineman or four. Um, and then, you know, also gotten Brian O'Neill or, you know, arguably gotten uh, Mike Hughes anyway. Um, but it does raise a question that, you know, Joe and I have talked to. We've done a million podcast episodes together. So I'll kick this to you first, Tim, and then... Joe, I want your take for the beautiful people in Detroit Lakes, but where do you fall on the best player available sort of uh, philosophy when it comes to the draft? You know, some people think best player available, period. It doesn't matter if it's a quarterback and you're, you have an established quarterback or it's 100% best player available or, you know, it's player of need or somewhere in the middle i mean where do you if it was up to you where would you fall on that so, so I, I did a piece recently for vikings territory called the best general manager you never heard of and it was about a guy by the name of jim finks who was brought in by the vikings uh in uh, i want to say 65 or 66 and and um you know he he, he Put together the Vikings teams that dominated in the late seventies and late sixties and early seventies, and then he was stolen away by George Hallis and went to Chicago, and, yep. and he put together uh, the, the eighty-five Bears. He wasn't there anymore when they they did their thing, but mm-hmm. he he drafted the great majority of that team, and even when he is one of his drafts was like eighty-one, where they they it was a phenomenal draft, but he he passed on both Jim Kelly and um, Dan Marino. And in 77, he passed on Joe Montana. So both times he was taking, we need an offensive tackle. We need a linebacker. So he was taking the best player available, but passed on Hall of Fame players. So I think what you need to do is you need to sort of go in with sort of flexibility. You know, what if, what is the scenario if we're two, three picks away and this guy's still on the board? How does that change? How do we suddenly change? Now are we trading an offensive lineman? Or I'm not saying Viking specifically. Are we trading a player that we think will draw us capital so we can move into that spot? And now this player is going to come in and change. He's going to take that job or he's going to do this and, and, and move. This. So I think I think if for whatever reason, if a Devontae Smith really did slide down to 14, you could I would say you can't pass on him because the Vikings turn into such a scoring machine, I think, at that mm-hmm. point. They, they scored enough this past year with the weapons they had with him on that team and two guys who would be cap friendly for the next couple of years in Jefferson and Devontae Smith. You're going you're going right to the head of the offensive juggernaut, uh, you know, class in, in the NFC, at least, if not the NFL. And so the rest of your team, you can afford to be a little deficient in some areas because you're going to be scoring 30 points a game. Yeah. God, if they got him, Kyle Rudolph would never see the ball the entire <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, and uh, it, it kind of ties back into what I said earlier about, you know, some teams that just aligned with having all this tremendous amount of cap space, a la the Colts, putting together these super rosters. Or last week we talked a lot about all these guys now wanting to go to Tampa. Uh, to, you know, maybe win a ring, um, whether it's AP, a guy who hasn't done yet, or maybe, you know, with all these guys hitting the, the, the market, a lot of maybe guys still in their prime or the, the kind of the second half of their prime might end up wanting to go play with Brady there. Um, you know, there was an, an article on, I believe, Vikings Territory or Purple PTSD by one of our new writers this week about, you know, in today's NFL, the Vikings can't really rest on their laurels and they need to keep adding weapons. Um, on their offense, and I do feel like to refine that argument a little bit, that you know, if you really look at the offense that the Packers ran versus what the Vikings did, the main difference, honestly, was just the offensive line play because they both ran, ran the ball 55% of the time, almost to the decimal point, the hundredth uh, decimal point. Obviously, Matt Lafleur is kind of an acolyte of uh, Kubiak, and and they're both acolytes of Shanahan and the only difference again was offensive line play and then uh, points per game uh, the Packers scored about six points more per game a touchdown more per game um, and so you know I do think that 
you know you don't don't necessarily need to break your throw out the mold to increase the points if you do improve the offensive line but you could also make the argument that if they were to get a guy like Smith it might open up the passing game a little bit more you might be a little bit less risk averse type of do a little bit more west coast style stuff um you know uh, quick passes slant routes that sort of thing uh which would have a ton of ancillary benefits you could uh, keep maybe dalvin cook healthier and out on him 38 times a game like we did uh once uh, this season and so yeah it's a really intriguing idea and it's re- i mean again now you guys got me all excited for the pretendies yet again um do i think it's going to happen no but it is incredibly fun to think about oh, raise, if i meet joe Obelie, excuse me but joe i just want to something you just said the running lanes for Dalvin Cook with those three receivers would be tremendous. Yeah. You could, you'd stretch out every team. You couldn't have an extra man in there to handle the run game. I mean, it would really be an interesting thing to watch. Sorry. No, that's, 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 I'm just sitting there thinking about that. And, and I already know that uh, uh, both Jefferson and Thielen are good downfield blockers, you know? I mean, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking touchdowns when you talk about these lanes that their, their space opens up for. For him, I, yeah, that, that's it's interesting to think about. Uh, Joe and I have forever talked about, you know, best player available versus, you know, uh, going for need. And and I think the Vikings have for so many years done that. And they've gone best player available and and kind of not uh, fixed that need at offensive line. And yeah. um, so I, I I agree that you know. If, if, if Smith is there, I would be all for taking him. The heck with the offensive line, you know. Uh, just have uh, Kirk sprint out every play. Get out from behind there and get, you know, throw the ball to somebody. Again. Exactly. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I would really like them to fix fix the offensive line with a, with a young player so we got something going forward because there is so much young talent uh, on on the offense. So at least you have that for a while, but uh, you know, it, it, it's a really uh, important that they they get a, another defensive pass rusher. Wouldn't even know what shape uh, uh, Hunter and uh, Pierce are going to be when they come back after a year away from the game. So uh, that that's really important too. Uh, either way, I want somebody in in the in the line play, either offense or defense, for this team because that's where the games are won and that's where uh, 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 playoff games are won because you've got decent line play. So. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm like everybody else, so I'm susceptible to uh, seeing the, the shiny thing plop in their lap at 14 and say, oh, you got to go for that. But hold that yeah. line, darn it. I think Tampa Tampa showed that, that, how important line play is on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, I, I wonder how difficult it is to come back from a herniated disc in your neck for, a, for an edge rusher just by virtue of how they line up and where the, their sometimes their initial point of contact is and the strain that they put on themselves. You know, then you have things like, you know, you hear about young guys like Vincent Jackson passing away and, you know, everyone kind of holds their breath waiting to hear what always seems to be the case, which is, you know, he struggled with um, – concussions then alcoholism and i think it's cte and it's just a you know it is a hard thing um morally sometimes to to, to feel like you know we love this game so much and all of us were raised you know i'm assuming or presuming in football households and it's very much uh an identity thing for a lot of people especially vikings fans um but it's you know hard to do. You feel like you're almost watching the glad- gladiators back in in the day, you know, because these guys really are sacrificing a lot, um, their bodies, their minds, all of it, uh, for our, our entertainment. And so it's kind of a sullen thing. And I know the the NFL is making moves to correct that, but uh, you know you also have to wonder how much they can mitigate something like that, just considering the, the nature of those injuries. And it's not even necessarily the concussions. It's the micro concussions. It's the over and over and over again, kind of getting a bruise on your brain that never fully heals. And then it, you know, it kind of clogs everything up. Um, and so, yeah, it was just, it was just sad news to hear. And, and, you know, it, it just relates a lot to, uh, again, 
guys um, on the team currently who are, you know, played through COVID, um, so on and so forth. And again, I don't want to be repetitive, but I do feel like it's just really tone deaf to, uh, you know, a lot of these guys might have to retire early or take massive pay cuts, and they really, uh, just in a regular season, obviously are sacrificing a lot. And they are compensated well, but at the same time, not as well as the owners, which is how the world works. I understand that, but uh, to 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 kind of just punish them for playing through, you know, the owners could have gotten a hundred percent of nothing, um, you know, and still been fine. A lot of these guys had to play. If they, you know. Which this is all they know. This is, without this, they would, they'd be bankrupt. Um, so I'm really, you know, I'm hoping they, they find some solution to it. I'm kind of tying everything together here, but you know, it is. It's just it's really sad to, to hear that sort of thing. Because I mean, God, the guy what 38 years old? He just mm-hmm. retired. Yeah, it's not something that's going to stop happening either. We're going to hear more of these cases as time goes on, and it's it's unfortunate. I. I, all I do when it comes to the whole concussion issue and the, and the health, I mean, I'll say on one hand that the players certainly are uh, aware of their health and the issues. I mean, uh, uh, Michael Pierce opted out because of COVID. But on the other side of the coin, Matt Khalil told me about it when I asked him a question about many years ago. He said, uh, we all know what we're signing up for. And so I, I you know, not, not, granted, he was a young kid in the league, but and I don't know how much how long he's going to stick out because he was always doing things to uh, or stick around because he was always doing things to set up his business as an afterlife beforehand. So yeah. we'll see, but, but I, I think, you, right. I think you have to be, uh, uh, unfortunately, I think we're going to see more of it. And that, that saddens me as well. You know, years ago, uh, Mike Ditka was an analyst on a pregame show and, and they, they asked him at the time and they said, you know, how do we get the use of the helmet as a weapon? How do we, you know, how do we get that out of the game? And he had no hesitation. He said, put them in leather helmets like they used to. And everyone uh, laughed, you know, and everybody made fun of Ditka like the next day. You know, he was right. Yeah, he was sure. right. Because what happens is, and you can see it, if you put a helmet, a football helmet on a little kid, the first thing they do is they start slapping the top of the helmet and stuff, and they want to start bouncing it off things, hitting it yeah. off things. Yeah. Immediately, <laughs> this thing like goes, you put it wow. on a boy, and maybe on a girl too. I don't mean to leave anybody out, but you put it on a boy – Nine times out of ten, right away, he starts hitting things with his head. It becomes, you become, you put in that equipment and you've seen all this stuff on TV and you think like this is, you know, the game, it doesn't hurt. You know, right. the way, you know, uh, and it's and it's a rude awakening for some kids and some, they leave the game immediately when they find out that, you know what, it does hurt when you get hit by seven kids at the same time. But Joe, you were talking about, this is a gladiator sport, but at least at this level, they're being compensated. They should yeah. be compensated at the division one level as well. And at least something. And, and, um, and you watch it at high school when I was coaching for, you know, 10 years, I would watch promising kids and they're down and, you know, their knee is shot and you just yeah. feel sick about it, you know? And, and there were times when kids got their bell rung and, and in the beginning of days, we had fights on the sidelines when coaches would try to put kids back in other coaches are saying, you're out of your mind. And, and by the end of it, that was gone. You know, they, they, they weren't doing that anymore, but I saw coaches put kids back in the game just to win a game that the kid didn't know if it was day or night. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I had a Isn't couple of concussions playing uh, varsity hockey where I would just, you know, you throw up on the ice. Uh, you have no idea, really, you know, what what's going on. I'm, I really am interested, you know, Tim, in what was the last year that you coached high school football? I want to say 20... 15 or 16 okay because i you know you hear a lot either anecdotally or otherwise that you know parents aren't putting their kids into youth football anymore um you know you and i have talked off air uh but via uh, you know mini ice about the state of youth hockey more so in the city of minneapolis where i grew up but did you see any ramifications from maybe like the concussion movie or just, you know, that was a really big issue around that time. Did you notice any drop off in trial numbers? Really? Huge, oh, huge drop off numbers all across the board. And I think it stabilized somewhat, but I think at least initially that there was, there was a, just a huge drop off straight across the board. And if you're, you're a school like Wyzetta, when you're getting out enough kids, you're still going to have a varsity program. And, and, but we were watching like the freshman and the sophomore numbers, and they were really down. 
And like a lot of times kids would go to high school for a year or two and then kind of find football as something to do, but they weren't making that transfer from the youth game, you know, to the next one. And, and, you know, there was a lot of that. I mean, you know, I, as I remember back, well, you're going way back then, but I mean, it wasn't a lot of fun, you know, to go to practice. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of old school guys and, and bull in the ring and all the rest of it. I mean, if I, we had a traveling program in White Bear Lake. It was all weight-based, but we had seventh, eighth, and ninth graders together. And I remember getting in there as a seventh grader and having a ninth grader just laugh, just go and just light me up. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's, what, that's what happened to them when they were seventh graders. And then I, when I was a ninth grader, same thing. You know, you just, you just do it to the next guy. Um, and they either make it or they don't, you know. And, and so – it's always had an element to it, but I, I think getting back to the whole thing of concussions, it, it really bothers me when we're watching games and people complain about a guy being thrown out for targeting. I mean, this isn't a new rule. How many times yeah. have they said you can't lead with your head? And it is amazing to me that we haven't got a deal like we've had with like a Mark Bonacani or somebody like that where they lead with their head and they just don't get up because they broke their neck. Mm-hmm. And and you just can't do it. It's not just the guy who's getting hit that you're, you're protecting. It's the guy who's leading with the head. And and we just it, and if you've got a leather helmet on, you're not leading with your head. I promise you. Take yeah. off the face mask too. Yeah. There you go. Go back That's to form tackling. Really it's like good, rugby. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Australian there are football. There are a, a lot of injuries in youth soccer, but I don't think they're the type of repetitive sort of trauma uh, that I alluded to earlier. Um, but you, you touched on something um, a couple of minutes ago, Tim, um, in regards to paying Division One. Some of the major sports, you hear the argument that that'll essentially that those sports fund the other sports that aren't as revenue driven or at least revenue net positive. And so, you know, then you hear about Title IX stuff and that that'll it'll hurt uh, women's sports. Do you think that's bluster or do you think there's some semblance of truth to it, like most things? I, I just think it's sort of like, and, and if I pretend like I have all the answers, I don't. But but I, I just think is it potentially a problem? Sure, but That's I think what your that resume with, said though. With, <laughs> with, uh, answers with, with with everything. It's like the WNBA. You know, it's like or you watch these European games or NASCAR. I mean, there's just stickers all over everything. You know, there's ways yeah. to get money. Yes. you know, you can you can have yes. you know the, whatever teams providing the orthopedic services. You know, can can be you know putting money into this whole thing, and not just treating the kids, but you know actually you know because because it's just. It, it is. It's, 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 it's sort of a necessary evil. But to, to think of these programs as anything other than minor leagues for the NFL and, and just as major cash cows for those universities is, is ridiculous because that's exactly what they are. So it's a gladiator sport at the NFL level, but it's a gladiator sport at the college level as well. I agree with you, especially in, 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 in after hearing what, uh, uh, uh a half a minute spot if the Super Bowl goes for five million dollars this year, you know how much yeah. money's in the sport. And uh, if if you know how can you how can you consider colleges anything other than that than a, a minor league that's grooming players for 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 the pro level? So uh, they they absolutely. I used to think about them. They should be getting paid because there's so much money in college sports as well, and and these kids deserve to you know it's a job for them. But yeah. now, when you add when you add the injury element to it, of course they should be getting paid. They're risking their their lives, their livelihood after they le- they either leave the sport after college or in the pros. I mean, my goodness, kids just so, some money. So let me let me throw one out. Stay in the subject. Are we okay, Joe Johnson? If we stay in the subject for a moment, yeah, for sure. I'll just throw a curve at you guys. Okay, who is the best player right now in college basketball? <laughs> wow! Flip Saunders. I don't. Know, I haven't watched college basketball in a really long uh, time. God, I can't even answer that. Uh, you know, I could go uh, with Carr from the Gophers, but he's only on the best Gopher. No, I don't even know who the best uh, college the best, basketball player. The best college basketball player right now is Paige Beckers oh, yes. from from Hopkins, <laughs> who is a freshman at UConn. And she has been playing with a bad ankle and is still averaging like 20 some points. She makes all these circus shots. She sets up her teammates. You know, they lost a game and they came right back and they knocked off the number one team in the country. 
and she she is just doing things that are just like you have to watch. I mean, it, it, look up a UConn game, anybody out there. Just look for UConn, watch UConn. You'll watch for 10 minutes, and you'll go, son of a gun, he was right. Um, she is the best player in college yeah. basketball. So what's going to happen is half dozen young men are either not going to go to college or they're not going to spend more than a year there. Maybe our, our young guy Suggs at uh, Gonzaga, and they're going to go and become instant multimillionaires in the NBA. Where's Paige Becker's going to go? That's right. Yeah, she's Europe. Have to go, go to the go, go to the WNEA in the summer and and go to Europe the rest of the year. You're exactly right. If, if I'm if I'm the the the, the links and and I Cheryl Reeve knows what she's doing. She doesn't need any help from me. But I, I would be lining up draft picks like you know like collecting them so I could give eight to whoever whenever they come whenever she's coming out to get her because right. she's going to sell tickets. She's going to make everyone else around them better. For the league, they're going to want her in L.A. or New York or Chicago. Right. But, you know, where where she would really do great would be here, obviously, because uh, she's one of us. And and uh, but, man, it, so my point is this, you know, they're lucky that they have this avenue. You know, women don't. I they mean, don't. In, there, somebody just sent me a, a, an email about a, a girl being injured wrestling a boy at the high school level and saying, why don't we have girls wrestling? There's in so many other states. And so I just took their thing on Facebook and sent it out and said, you're right. We should have it. It's the fastest growing sport in America. Why don't they have it? You know, wrestling we should is- have women's hockey. We should have all these other things. But it's just, it just comes down to money. Are there people right. there? And so you, you just so you know, where can you find the dollars and, and how can you leverage them? And, you know, that's what it's all about, man. That's a really good point, tars. though. You know, I haven't, uh, whenever that conversation comes up, like on talk, uh, Sports Talk Radio, they don't talk about the ability just to sell more sponsorships. You know, the NBA is going the route of, you know, international soccer where they have uh, have packed with other jerseys now that, you know, they just have one, which I think is a smart thing to do. Um, but, yeah, there's... there's These there's ladies are really... playing for love of the sport show, aren't they? And Tim, rather than uh, they're playing for money because there isn't any money for them there. You know, for them to play like... Uh, uh, a whale and play play as long as she did because yeah. she loved playing the sport, you know. And, yeah, my, and she was, you know, could play at the national level. But I'm serious. If I'm Cheryl Reba, I'm calling Paige's family and just going, tell her to come out after her her freshman year. You know, she should come out and and yeah. we'll we'll draft her. We'll take her in the first round and we'll give her whatever she wants because she is that player. She's that good. You know, that was kind of a trick question, Tim. So not only do you have all the answers, now you got all the questions to do. Yes. What the heck? <laughs> you know, my, my sister played for the Gophers. Uh, she was a goalie, and she played on my high school team with me. I just wrote an article on Mini Ice about that, and I, I, I somehow found the Getty image from the Star Tribune article they wrote way back. It must have been in 1999 because she graduated in 2000. Um, and yeah, I mean, the amount of dedication and, and love of the game that existed without, you know, now they have the white caps, but they didn't have that back then. And to be completely honest with you, I didn't realize that even existed until you told me about it, uh, 10, which is a little embarrassing. But, to say. Well, but even with that, there's a split because the, the NWHL, which the white caps play in is being boycotted by the top players in the game, both American, Canadian, and European. Because they're they're like, look, this thing has to die so the NHL gets involved. And the NHL's like, we're not putting a poison dart in the NWHL and having everybody tell us we're terrible because we killed women's hockey. So it's like, so you've got all these women who are like not the top, top players in the world, but they're good and they want to play. And they've got a six or eight team league and they're telling the, the superstars, come in, let's make this work. And the superstars are like, no, you're doing it wrong. We can't do this without the NHL. You know, you have to go away. Let this wow. thing die. So there's this this nasty standoff that is now. Is that two is that years. an ownership issue? It's no, it's a player issue. I mean, it's 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 a player issue. And and so so the NHL won't talk about it. The NHL will not talk about it because they're they don't want to look like. And and the NHL's in trouble. I mean, their TV contract, their network is going away. They've got to find a new television thing their regional game they've been hit really hard by covid they don't have a lot of dollars right now to sink into this venture um but but women need the opportunity to play you got to grow the game and the nhl is losing 50 percent of their potential audience if they're not catering and serving women 
And but let's face it, I don't think the I don't think the WNBA exists if it wasn't for the NBA players saying to the owners, "This has to live. Yeah. You have to get involved and you have to save it because this is our culture. This is this is important to us." And NBA players, you know, I'm not saying everyone, but they're pretty good about going to the games and being visual and being supportive and social media and the rest of it. You know, a lot of interaction back and forth. And I think you have to see the NHL players. And I'm just going to say it. The modern NHL guy, you're going to see him up there in Detroit Lakes, you know, more than we're going to see him in the Twin Cities. You know, they're going to get a cabin. They're going to play golf. They're going to fish. They're going to play video games. They're not going to do anything else. And and that's all they want to do. And they need to give back to the game. And that means let's grow the women's game. Yeah. It is still a very underserved demographic. I mean, even from a fan base perspective and representation in media, which, you know, I obviously can't say much about uh, considering uh, everything. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a guy, I cover sports. Um, it's 50% of the. the, the uh, the NFL's fan base, um, you know, and and I think that that's the more you open things up, the better. You know, I think you get you know better content. I think that you know you can reflect the audience better just from a more of a media perspective. But I mean, yeah, I'm looking at the Tria Rink pictures of it because I again I was not familiar with any of this stuff, but it is really really cool. Um, have you have you been there? It just Sure. It's, yeah, it's, um, it's very, except for that wall of glass, it's very ordinary. You know what I mean? It's got, it stands on one side. It reminds me of the old marriage a little bit. Um, a little bit. When, uh, I I played there when I was younger. I also played at the Met a few times. Um, got to skate with the North Stars. That was pretty neat. Um, but I wanted to finish the show with, you know, your guys' takes on there was a really sort of um, neat, very purple PTSD-esque article uh, this week that pointed out in the league right now, by itself, who do you think the player is, in your opinion, that either the Vikings team or fans should despise most? Um, or... To clarify that a little bit, who's the player do you think that has the Vikings during the Zimmer era has their number most? Um, I'll kick it to you first, Mr. Oberly. Uh, I I have a couple thoughts, um, and I also like to go last prices rate style. Well, you know, uh, I I always – it's my personal bias, bias default, default to the Packers. And, uh, well, I appreciate, uh, Aaron Rodgers' uh, ability in this league. He, uh, represents a huge thorn in the side for me. And he represents a challenge for Mike Zimmer, who, who likes to play against him. But, uh, I could, I could do with, uh, the Packers fans going without a hall of fame quarterback <laughs> for three years. And yeah. that would just be, or, or make me, you know, that, that'd be fine with me. So I guess I have to go with Aaron Rodgers. Probably kind of obvious. Yeah, I, I, I cheated in the sense that I've read the article. So I know. Yeah. And, and so I, I thought that the adjective used was probably, you know, not maybe fitting or accurate. Yeah. Because the, 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 the theory is that, you know, well, nobody's owned the Vikings the way Russell Wilson has. Mm-hmm. And, and that's entirely accurate. But I don't think, I mean, I, just being myself, but I mean, I never came away despising him for it. It wasn't like he ever did any showmanship or showed any bad sportsmanship or did anything where I thought, well, that was tacky. You know, I mean, I just I yeah. just re- said, man, I wish we had him. You know, we, we win uh, more than a couple of those games against Seattle if he was wearing the other team's uh, colors. So yeah. I, the, with Joe Oberly, it's not hard to find out. If you want to use the word despise mm-hmm. to go just, uh, just to our east and take a glance and, you know, he, he is as good as everybody says he is. But from his stupid commercials to his stupid face, you know, just, you know, there's just nothing likable about this guy. I mean, just nothing. And I think even Packer fans would tell you that if he wasn't on their team, you know, it'd be like, yeah, he is kind of a. Mm. I would agree with that. He's, he, he has a tendency to to let his his fellow players know on the field if they've made a mistake. It wasn't me. You yeah. ran the wrong route. He gives them the face. He gives them the look, the glare or whatever, so that we all know that Aaron didn't make a mistake. And yeah, or so the, refs, the refs somehow 
got a call from New York in a split second to screw the Packers over, even though that would require a tremendous amount of forethought and the perfect opportunity to do that, and there was like a five-second lag involved. Um, I agree with you, though, Tim. That's why I tried to refine it a little bit, because I feel yep. like another guy that, that would probably get the, the, the uh, second vote for someone who is caught issues for the Vikings in, in terms of wins and losses would be actually surprisingly Mitchell Trubisky. Um, not right. that people watch him. I have watched the games, but surprisingly in sort of where his career has gone, even though he, he did kind of come back a little bit, but is he, I haven't uh, beat him that much. Have, is he, is he undefeated against the Vikings or is he like five and one? Um, yeah, he never played badly against the Vikings. no, no, he right. always plays well against us. And you know, that's what I'm saying. And, and people, you know, you know, the whole theory I brought up earlier, I don't think it's really that far fetched because I think if you, if you show that, if we're going to keep the same offense, really nobody expects Kirk cousins to run. And he did run effectively this year, but you could run that all day where Trubisky holds the ball out for that stretch thing. Defense has got to take two, three steps. And as soon as he pulls that ball back in and turns around You've got that defense headed the other way. You've got three receivers headed down the field. He's got three options to throw or he can run. If Trubisky couldn't gain five yards on that play every time, yeah, you know, right. I, I don't know how you defend it. Exactly. What do you think then, uh, just to start and, and stop with the pretendies, I was also going to say Drew Brees is kind of there, even though the Vikings have – uh, bested him in the playoffs the last couple times, just absolutely, in, just because of 2009. But I put that on Peyton more than anybody. Um, what would you think about instead of Trubisky getting a guy from an area that may be listening to the show uh, as we speak in Carson Wentz? Do you think he is going to be? Where do you think his career is going? Do you think that his um, Marketability, uh, contract-wise, is going to be in the same uh, arena as as a Trubisky, or I, I assume he's obviously had maybe more upside to some GMs. But man, it's it's just been amazing how quickly things have fallen apart for him. Right. But would you, would you rather have a Trubisky or a a Wentz? Well, you know, I I don't know why exactly he has fallen off. The, the ledge as much as he has, other than I know he had the, 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 the terrible injury, but it seems like since then it's been more confidence in the backfield and he's just not played well, or maybe he doesn't have something. I haven't watched him closely enough to, to say why, but it seems like to me, I, I wouldn't mind having him in Chicago because I don't think that improves them that, that much. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm always kind of Viking centric in, in it. So, um, I am almost kind of cheering for them to get him because then again, maybe he could turn his career around because that his rookie year, he looked great until MVP down with that injury. Yes, he was RG three Ian RG three. Ian. you know what I mean? Like, and it's RG three. Obviously they should have played him in that playoff game. Uh, That was a horrible idea. He never bounced back from that. I understand why Gibbs did it, but it was just like it it shredded. And then he tried to emulate AP and show that he could come back as quickly. And that was a mistake as well. A mistake that's been, I think, kind of uh, parroted a little bit by J.J. Watt, uh, who we talked about earlier. But um, I do think that Wentz prototypically should have everything that you want. right? I mean, Tim, what's your thoughts on, on, on him? Yeah, I guess I'm right with Joe. I mean, I think that, you know, when he was a rookie and all the time at North Dakota State, I mean, I just thought he was such a fine player, good athlete, good person, had everything you wanted in as, as a quarterback. And I thought when um, when Philadelphia made the change at head coach, I'm like, well, okay, is that an attempt to say that we're going to try to rectify Carson Wentz's career and he's staying here? So I guess I'm not I'm not really sure why they let I I'm a Doug Peterson fan. I don't know. Yes. You know, I didn't watch the Eagles enough this past. I hoped he to, would be the new offensive coordinator to be completely honest with you. There's no way Zimmer could. <laughs> no way. You know, those are two way too big of egos to be in the room at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I think that, uh, uh, so, I, but I agree with you in theory, Joe, I would like, I would like that too. Uh, I, but I'm a Doug Peterson uh, fan. I think he's a good offensive coach and a good head coach. And, um, so uh, to, for, for, for Wentz to fall so out of favor with him is troubling. How mm-hmm. did that happen? 
So I, I don't know. I mean, it's just really hard to 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 say. You know, what what one are we going to get? Who who is it going to? Because he, like Joe said, he could go to Chicago and rectify his career. He could be no improvement whatsoever. And you know, sometimes it's just what system do you fall into, and who is your position coach, and and who do you, what, what do you have to work with? Yeah, yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see where he lands and what happens with him. I, I tell you, it's it's fascinating. Uh, I, I still can't believe that it uh, cost Peterson his job uh, or whatever it did over in Philadelphia. I, I I I don't understand them letting him go. Wasn't 2017 he won the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah. So, I thought he would so have really, bought, uh, well, at least a decade, considering it's the Eagles. Yes. You know what I mean, yeah. To me, and I and I could be wrong sitting here in Minnesota, but the way I read that situation. It came down to it was either going to be Peterson or the guy who chose the other receiver who's not Justin Jefferson, Uh-oh. you know, uh, because I think I think they clashed over player personnel and who was making those picks. And, and if you're Doug Peterson, you're watching that guy run around a little bit and watching Justin Jefferson. You're going, hey, nice job, dude. You know, remember I told you I wanted the other guy. And yeah. so I think that I think that's what happened. And Lurie okay. picked the general manager rather than the guy who won the Super Bowl as his head coach. So, Which is so watch weird that because one he, play out. It's, yeah, it's exactly. double negative almost because he, you know, Peterson, you could argue, is responsible for the Super Bowl win. I mean, the way that he flummoxed Zimmer and, and the Vikings yep. defense in that game was masterful. And then he uh, arguably was more uh, involved in the non-Jefferson pick. And I wrote a couple articles about that during the season, and it really riled up Eagles fans to a level that I had never experienced before in re- regards to hate mail. Uh, but then again, they are the people that boot Santa Claus, so the, uh, their fan base is that way. But yeah, they I think they were really not happy with that, what oh, happened with that selection. It's going to haunt I them think... for a few years. And, and the, yeah, and the, and the myth is that, you know, that we did this great, Hey, we did the trade for Diggs, and, and look how great it worked out for us. We got Jefferson as a result of trading Diggs. No, we got Jefferson because Philadelphia bleeped up. <laughs> you know, there's no way they should not have taken him. And he dropped into the Vikings' lap, and suddenly Mike Zimmer and, and Rick Spielman get given another lifeline, just like right. New Orleans in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. Those guys might have been gone. It's like, yeah. it's like they're like freaking Jason from Friday the 13th. They have like nine lives. <laughs> Hand yeah, coming out of the dirt. Just, what you're describing, Tim, is just uh, the life of a coach is so tenuous. Yeah. Despite if they contract or not. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they, he, he was another lifeline. He did buy them another year. And just like the like you said, the, the victory over uh, uh, New Orleans. I mean, it, it's amazing that it's hanging on that little of a – uh, of a thing, and 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 I just don't see that uh, a a lot of great other coaches out there. But you know, of course, now Doug P- Peterson's out there. So it's funny you say that, Joe, because I was gonna when you guys, we were talking about Wentz and the uh, position coach. I think, especially for quarterbacks in the NFL, especially Hall of Fame ones or ones that have had successful <clears throat> careers at the end of their career, there's a ton of credit given to them uh, individually. But there are so many other variables that go into whether or not a guy is successful or not. I mean, you could look at, yeah, you know, guys like Randy Moss. Well, that's not real. I mean, versus Jerry Rice. You know, Jerry Rice had the first, uh, especially the entire length of Moss's career, years-wise. If he would have retired at the same time frame, he would have had two quarterbacks, Joe Montana and Jerry uh, and uh, Steve Young. Steve Young um, yeah. you, know, you have other guys who, uh, from a quarterback perspective, you know, maybe just don't end up in the right place, get the right mentor, so on and so forth, um, and it doesn't work out for them. And so I think that there's – I don't know. I'm, as you guys both know, I'm a relatively anxious person, and there's just so much uh, uncertainty and uh, unknowability of these things that I don't know if I can handle just all the, the, the variable of being a head coach or otherwise, but it was really fun to see both Zimmer and Spielman's reaction to that Eagles pick or lack thereof on Zoom. Um, they were so elated and like, oh really? Wow. Oh yeah, you. I'll I'll Christmas. text it to you uh, after we get off, Joe. They literally like they weren't in the same room either, but you could tell they looked at each other like the little webcams, and they're like, "Are you kidding me? Get on the phone." 
get on the phone. Like they were so it was like me getting an original Nintendo back in the day. It was very very uh, adorable and or enraging if you are a, uh, an Eagles fan. Um, but speaking of being both adorable and enraging, I think that's a good uh, place to put it for the week. Um, I want everyone to keep an eye on uh, our websites, vikingsterritory.com, miniice.com, that's M-I-N-N-Y-ice.com, purplepizza.com, uh, and also follow Mr. Joe Oberly on Twitter at Joe Oberly, O-B-E-R-L-E. You can follow Mr. McNiff at Tim McNiff and the number one, all one word. And you can follow me, Joe Johnson, at VTPTSD. That's all one word as well. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We will be back next week, uh, potentially and hopefully with a special guest of the Joe Oberly variety. But this has been Vikings Territory, a breakdown for the 17th of February. Our cars will break down, and when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck, or SUV, and less repair bills, plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. Seriously, who's blowing up my phone? Oh, yeah. Powerball. Big news. Powerball now draws three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim.